Don't call it a dream. Call it a plan. Now, when I was 31 years old, we were living in Southern California in Anaheim. Uh, Joanne and I had two little boys, and we'd been there for four years, and we decided we wanted to move. Now, here's the deal. I'm an old farm kid, and I was getting up. We were having economic opportunity like I had never experienced. We were having a blast with a whole lot of things. But being a farm kid, wake up in the morning and be in smog and then drive in congested traffic to get a couple blocks away. I mean, I thought, this is not what we wanted. And what we were doing is we were getting away on the weekends. So my business partner and I, on Thursdays, we'd often take off. We'd go to Las Vegas or we'd go to Lake Mead or Lake Powell, one of the lakes on the Colorado River system, and we'd get away over the weekend. Then we'd come back for the next week. And I thought, this is nuts. Why don't we live where when we walk out the back door, we're where we want to be? Well, that was a dream. So we did Ben Franklin, where we drew line down the center of a page, and we did pros and cons on five different locations. Again, just five different areas in the country where we thought, oh, that'd be a neat experience to go there. What we selected was Bowling Green, Kentucky. Now, we had been there because I got my master's in clinical psychology at Western Kentucky University, and we really loved the area. We decided, you know what? That is a place, it's a day's drive from family, so it's not right on top of them, but it's close enough. We can get there if need. We like the seasonal changes. Not real harsh winter or summer, but like the seasonal changes, the mountains, the academic uh, opportunities that were there with the universities that I was involved with previously and wanted to go back to, the landscape, you know, a little bit of mountains, everything just seemed to fit. So what we did, we loaded up a U-Haul truck. We drove the U-Haul company said you have five days to get there. So we paid for our trip to be five days. I said, cool. I know we can make it in three. We'll drive it in three. So we drove, we were pulling one car on our trailer and then Joanne was driving our other car. And I had Kevin, my little boy, who was then seven in a truck cab with me. And we sang, I remember singing the Eagles, taking it easy over and over and over again. We were just having a blast. So we drove it in three days. Now we had no idea where we were going to live or what I would do for work. None at all. Did that diminish our joy? Not in a bit. We drove across country confident that we could figure things out. Now, when we got there, we did. So we had driven it. So that means we had two days since we had driven in three and had a five-day rental. We had two days to find a place to live, to unload our truck, to clear that up. So we started looking. There wasn't a whole lot available. Now, this was back in the days before we had, you know, online and internet and all that. So we weren't searching in ahead of time or on the way while we were there. No, not at all. We just drove confident that we could get there and figure it out in two days. Not a whole lot available. We checked a whole lot of things trying to find a rental, couldn't, and I started checking the second day for places that were for sale. We found a place, a lovely home that was for sale. I contacted the owners. I said, hey, keep it listed. You can keep it listed. We'll just move in, keep everything looking nice, and you can still sell it whenever you want to. They agreed to do that. We lived there for two and a half years, incidentally, before we bought a house and moved out. But that's how we found a place to live. And then it was a matter of how do I find 
work? What am I going to do? Well, then I started thinking, hadn't thought about it much in advance because I'm fully confident no matter where I land, I can figure something out. Well, that perhaps is a story for another day. We experimented with a couple different, well, not experimented in terms of actually doing them, but we looked at different business ideas and I've never been one to and look for a job. So I just looked at what are the business ideas here. We looked at having a diaper service. There being none where we were there in Bowling Green. We had taken advantage of that when our two little boys were small in California, but uh, there was none in Bowling Green. We thought, well, we could do that. We looked at multiple business ideas. I finally elected a little auto accessories business, uh, started that with $600 and initial inventory went out and it became immediately successful. So that was, but my point is not the logistics, what we did, but it was a dream, but we put legs on it. We turned it into a plan and that's the way we're going to encourage you today in this episode. You got some really exciting things to share with you here that'll encourage you how to take action so your dreams become reality, not just something stuck in your head. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Got a couple things I want to share today. One is a short conversation with Alan Thomas, talking about turning dreams into reality. So I just decided I had a whole bunch of questions lined up for today, and I changed things because it just kind of came together in this focus of turning your dreams into reality. So our quotation today in line with that comes from Henry David Thoreau, one you're probably familiar with. If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he had imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. Start moving toward your dreams, and it's not a matter of just dreaming. It's how do you do, how do you continue doing that? Now, our resource for today is in reference to an event that we're going to be doing on Monday. Depending on when you're listening to this, you may be listening after, after, let's see, what it would be, February the 7th. You may be listening after February the 7th. That's okay. You can still go check out this resource. You'll get all the information we had there anyway. So it's transformmyfuture.com slash 48 days. That will link you to an open conversation we're going to have on Monday about this very thing, how to turn your dreams into reality, how to change your life dramatically. Now, Alan's going to be talking about weight loss as a way to release your potential. So that's just one application. But again, the principles are true no matter what it is that you're trying to accomplish. You know, I got a note this week. It's always interesting, these notes that we get. Hello, Mr. Miller. I find myself not reading your emails that come to my email account weekly or listening to your podcast because it forces me to think about how I really need to step out on faith and start living my dream. Interesting, isn't it? Because the content prompts him to realize he's not taking action. He's going to simply stop listening, stop reading. Stop learning. Well, that's one way to handle it, and certainly we see that. I mean, we know the old adage, ignorance is bliss, and if we can keep ourselves ignorant, if we don't know about something, yet we don't know what we're missing. And there's some validity to that, I suppose. Well, just a reminder, 
If you send in a question and we use it here in the year, I'd be happy to send you an autographed copy of 48 Days to the Work You Love. That's the new 20th anniversary edition. If you go to 48days.com slash askdan, you'll see there how to submit your question. A dream. I want to talk about this a little bit and then I want to listen to this clip and then we're going to entertain uh, some listener questions here that relate to this particular topic. But a dream is a wish your heart makes. You know, you can... Think about it. Dream. We all have dreams, but a plan makes your feet move. That's a big difference. I mean, a dream is a seed of something greater, something bigger, something more. You know, when you go for it, that seed starts to grow, but you got to take action or it's just going to stay a little seed. You got to take action that builds your courage, your confidence, your enthusiasm, your boldness. Every step makes you stronger. When you describe it just as a dream, it can make it seem a little bit of intangible. Like it's just kind of floating out there. Well, sure, you know, everybody has dreams, but we're not going to reach those. Well, you can. I mean, if you take action, I mean, I talked about that move that Joanna and I made from California back to Kentucky. And if you've been listening, you know that last year, well, two years ago now, wow, we're in a new year. Two years ago, we moved to Florida. Again, just a major move without without taking into consideration perhaps some things that people would. Now, fortunately, at this point, my work is very transportable. It doesn't really matter where I am. I can continue doing what I'm doing, and I'm grateful for that. But still, to pick up and move to uh, really a, a different kind of community entirely, one that we had never explored before, but we made a move, just decided we were going to do that, took action at a very opportune time, incidentally, that is turned out to be very, very advantageous. So goals, when we talk about this, you know, this again, being the first part of the year, we're talking about that a lot. Seth Godin says, I had no choice. How often do you hear that? You know, I had no choice. I just had to, no, he says, I had no choice actually means I had only one path that was easy in the moment. Oh my goodness. You had no idea how many times I would have Love to have had the courage to say that to somebody. When they say that, I had no choice. Well, sure, I had, you know, I had to take this job. I had to quit. I had to move. I had to, I had no choice. Oh, that could never, that's never true. We do have choices. So again, I had no choice actually means I had only one path that was easy in the moment. Now, another thing I hear a lot is, I don't know what to do to make my life better. Well, let's start with this. Do you know anything you could do that would make your life worse? And you could show up late for work. You could speak harshly to your spouse, eat hamburgers and fries every day, never read a good book, never plan a vacation or special time. I mean, I could stop writing. I could get lazy on doing this podcast. I could ignore date night a couple of weeks. I could eat half of the goodies people sent us for Christmas. I could hole up, stop talking to other high achievers. I mean, it's easy to see how I could make my life worse. So I can look at some of those same things and decide how I want to make my life better. Just do the opposite of what would make my life worse. I can work out four or five times a week for at least 48 minutes. I can commit to doing this podcast every week for the rest of this year. I almost said for the rest of my life. (laughs) I Well, I I might. I've had a pretty good long run here, but I'm going to right now commit for the rest of this year. I can plan a European river cruise for Joanne and me which I really had already planned, but then with all the COVID restrictions and all, we're waiting for some things to kind of lighten up on that arena. I can plan now for the launch of our new Eagles Flight Academy. 
We've got some things in place for that. I'm really excited about what we're building there. We'll be announcing that before too long. Um, right now, I have three requests from other major friends of mine's influencers to do events with them this year. Reminds me of a few years ago when Carrie Oberbrunner invited me to do something called what we called Shawshank Redemption. It was amazing. He and I have talked about it so many times since then. We've never been able to come up with something that we thought would capture the magic of what we did there. We perhaps, perhaps maybe ought to try to replicate it, but we had people meet in Dublin, Ohio. Then we chartered buses and transported everybody up to the penitentiary in Mansfield, Ohio, which was the scene. That's where they filmed Shawshank Redemption, that powerful, powerful movie. And then we had people go into those old dilapidated cells. It's no longer an active penitentiary. It's kind of a museum, but go into a cell, the old rusty cell, and we'd shut the door and then confront yourself with what's holding you back? What's really holding you back? I mean, wow. So powerful. So we're, I'm looking at what are some other kind of events that I could do with some people. The point is we plan for our success. And a lack of a clear plan means things will probably not get better. And it just doesn't work that way where things left to themselves. Well, that's the second law of thermodynamics. If you want to go into that, I won't go into the scientific specifics, but the law is that things left to themselves will deteriorate. I mean, anything left by itself, there's a natural tendency to become a more disordered state. Things don't become better left to themselves. So I've got this short clip with Alan. It's about 12 minutes long. I want you to listen in here where he asked a client who said he didn't know what to do to lose weight. You're going to, you're going to recognize the power of the statement, the question. I want you to hear Alan's response. So now listening to this again, we're not talking about weight loss. We're talking about deciding, deciding to make things true in your life and how you can do that. Check this out. Well, Alan, it's a delight to have this conversation with you. What you've done has been an inspiration to a lot of people. So thanks for spending a little time with us. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's always fun getting together with you. Now, you know, as we are promoting an event that we're going to be doing this coming Monday, and of course, some people will be listening to this will be after the fact. That doesn't matter because we're going to talk about principles that are timeless. So tell people a little bit about that pivotal moment in your life when you got on a scale and didn't like what you saw. Well, yeah, Dan, it was a it was it was a pivotal moment. You know, so much I had not liked what I saw for years, but on March 2nd, 2017, when I stepped on the scale, which is something I didn't do very often back then, and I saw 304 pounds staring back at me, it was in, it was just a moment that like the sky opened up and it was like, oh my gosh, I'd been in the, I'd been in the life insurance business for a number of years and I realized I was 55 years old, 5'11. 304 pounds, morbidly obese. I didn't have any big health issues except my obesity. I mean, I, I wasn't on medications for a bunch of stuff, but I knew statistically my odds of living 10 years were almost zero because out of thousands of meetings that I'd had with seen, I was doing senior citizen insurance where you meet with people over 65 predominantly. And I could not remember one single person that was over 65, one man. You meet, you meet ladies that are, but I couldn't remember one man that was 100 pounds overweight that was over 65. Now they're out there, I know, but they are rare. They're rare breed. 
And so what that meant to me was my wife, Angie, who you know, and I've been married at the time. I was married 31 years and our four kids. My wife, Angie, was probably going to call me her first husband. She was going to call it because not because she was looking around, shopping around for another guy, because I was I couldn't put down the fork and and get control and discipline in this one area of my life. And it's it dawned on me all of these events that were coming, like our daughter getting married one day. She's not married yet. And our sons, you know, and daughters, we've got three boys and a, and a daughter. They're all grown now. But all these events that I was going to miss out on. But in, in all of those things were powerful. But also, you know, having been in the 48 Days community for a long time, you taught me how to dream better than anybody a long time ago. And I had all these dreams of things I wanted to do. And it was like I was going to put a stop to them by choice, really, and by just daily choices. And so like any disaster, if you nowadays, if you see a disaster, you dial 911, you make sure everybody's okay, and then you snap a picture. I snapped a picture of that scale because I said that day I would never see that number again wow. on a scale set in front of me. And that was really the moment. Wow. That, and that's so iconic. I mean, you've shared that. It's so powerful to see that picture and to see the picture of who you were then and who you are today. So you made a decision, and that decision yes. was you were going to start January 1st, 2018, and by Thanksgiving, you were going to hit a goal. What was that goal? Was well, It was actually March 2nd, 2017. It was uh, March 2nd, 2017, and what was funny is I started doing what I had always done. I started dieting and losing, and I lost about, I think it was about eight pounds, okay? But I knew I'd never had success, and I was actually doing, I was actually, um, you know, working with a business coach on my insurance business, and he asked me on March 15th, he says, what do you think's holding you back from hitting like that next tier in your insurance business? And, um, and I said, he'd never seen me. We, it was just a brief meeting and, and it was totally out of context. I said, well, it's my weight, of course. Mm. And he says, well, how much do you weigh? I said, well, I weighed 296 this morning, but I, I was 304 a couple of weeks ago and I don't have much luck in keeping it down. And he said, and he asked, just asked some really powerful questions. He said, well, do you know what to do? I said, of course I know what to do. Everybody knows what to do. That's simple. And he said, well, what would you, what would you do? And I said, well, I, you know, I'd stick to this particular thing and it, there's a million diets out there, but this one I think would work for me. And he said, well, well, how would you stick to it? And a couple of nights before I'd watched Biggest Loser and Biggest Loser, they had all these people who were my size at the time, you know, 300, 400 pound people and, you know, 250, whatever it was. And they all stuck to it. And I was sitting there thinking that night, if I had the world watching me, there's no way I wouldn't get my, my weight in check. And I, and I'm a verbal processor, as you may know. Our, our good friend James Woosley pointed that out to me a long time ago. He said, Alan, you're a verbal processor. And, and I said, wow, I really am. So unfortunately that day, or fortunately, I, I was processing out loud. And he said, he said to me, he said, well, if I, I told him I couldn't just never consistently stuck to it. I didn't have the stick to itiveness to do it. And, and he said, well, if you could stick to it, how would you do it? And I said, well, gosh, if everybody watched me like that Biggest Loser show, <laughs> I said, I'd get there. And he said, well, you're unlikely to get on that show. I said, well, yeah. I said, well, I guess I I guess I could post. Now, this was before social media was like this is. And I don't recommend this to people, by the way, nowadays with social media the way it was, but is now. But I said, you know, if I 
If I publicly put my scale out there every day, I know I'd stick to it. And he said, Alan, do it now. Mm. And I said, and this is what the, I look back at this because this is really what I said. I said, could I wait till I'm 289? (laughs) (laughs) Like that was a big deal. (laughs) And he said, and he said this to me and this guy is just so funny. He said, Alan, this is a moment in time you'll never get to come back to. Oh my. He said, if you make this decision. So what I did, I, I posted that I would weigh 175 pounds in, on November 22nd, 2017. But I really had calculated where I could weigh it on November, uh, November the 15th. I calculated that, but I gave myself a week of grace. And uh, I didn't hit it on November 22nd. I hit it on the 17th. I hit it. uh, I I hit it two days off the real original date. So starting started in March, you hit it November 17th. And that that was a loss of 129 pounds. 129 pounds. All right. Now it's interesting because what I want to really lean into is you decided you decided mm-hmm. there's something about that. You know, you, you projected the date when you were, when you had a long way to go, when you were at the top of this big mountain needing to get back down. But that process of just deciding is so, so critical. Mm-hmm. You know, you knew, of course, the stats about health and obesity and all that, but you just decided and you started walking that out. I mean, how did you, were there times in that? Was it, was it a linear process just you did really reduce every day were there times in that process that oh i'm close enough i'm going to give up why were you so determined that you were going to hit that goal well and that's that's a great question because you know what that happened was it it, and we and we teach this in our rethink dieting program there's so many pieces of the puzzle because accountability is so important and and it's important on a couple of levels and what really got me, the answer is no, it didn't go down every single day, but I, but I stuck to it hundred percent every single day. Okay. So the number on the scale was just information. And I knew that if I did it over a long haul, that it would, that it would matter. It was the weighing every day, which we teach, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of people say, well, that's a bad idea. Although, although there's all kinds of studies that, that agree with what, what I did, which was weighing every day, but it was that decision. And I cut off every possibility and when I realized that, number one, I was getting momentum personally by by doing this, but what it was doing, which really I was shocked by how many other people, a lot of people who didn't need to lose weight were inspired by it and they were doing things. I had a, I had a guy that I didn't even know reach out to me, said, Alan, I ran a marathon because you because you, of your weight loss journey. I'm like, you ran a marathon. What's that got to do with me losing weight? He said, well, he said, you, and he said what you did, you decided. So I cut off every possibility of failure. There was no way out for me. And and when I did that, it was, the process was simple. And it is so funny. One, one of my clients who, now I've been on dozens of diets, Dan. Okay. I've been on dozens of diets over years. You watch me go up and down over our years. I know it quite a bit, but I never really cracked the code until 2017. But it was always a decision, like you said. It was always cutting off other possibilities. But we we get elude, uh, this illusion that there's this perfect diet out there, that there's this magic pill, and and I have a core belief that there is no that 
just about every diet will work at some level. It's whatever you like the best will work for you, but it's the stick to it that matters. It's the stick to it, just like building a business, just like what you did and building all your listeners. And you didn't start with, you know, millions of listeners like you've had on your podcast. You started probably with one or two. Absolutely. I mean, they they did and it built over time. But one of, one of my clients who uh, you and I've talked about, he's, he's an individual that actually was in a wheelchair. If he had to walk more than 10 steps, he'd had an injury and gained over uh, a couple hundred pounds, just over 400 pounds. He had never been on a diet. And I told him I would never tell him what to eat. That's part of what we do in our program. We never tell people what to eat. We'll guide them, give them some core principles, but we do not tell them what to eat because the diet becomes the villain. And he, it was so funny. He said to me, first time we, first coaching um, session we had, he said, but Alan, what am I going to eat? And I said, I told you I wasn't going to tell you what to eat. I said, but let me ask you this. I said, if if your two daughters and your wife were abducted and had, you know, you know, their life was literally on the line. And the only way you get them back safely in a week is to lose one pound. Now, this guy weighed 432 pounds when I was telling him this. Mm-hmm. It's 5'11". Okay. I said, you have to lose one pound in a week to save your family. I said, what would you do? And he's and he thought for a minute, and it felt like about five minutes. He's really a humble, very soft-spoken guy. And and he says, Alan, I guess I could eat less. I said, there'd be a plan. Let's start there. Now, that was 100, and I think he's 120 pounds ago. Oh, and uh, now, and and so, but it's about becoming an expert on you. So I, I didn't mean to go, go on a rabbit trail, but the decision is so much more important than the diet. Do you have to change what you eat? Of course you do. Do you have to exercise? Well, it sure helps, but I've, I've got stories of people that couldn't exercise and still lost weight. Oh, my. And, and I, I so, love that. Well, you're, you're right. I mean, I love how you lean in that the decision is more important than the diet. And, of course, that's where it relates to anything that you want to do in life, anything you want to do. So we're going to have a, a lengthier conversation on this about people that you've worked with how this decision-making process is so powerful. And, you know, I don't care if somebody is 110 pounds soaking wet. You can learn from the principles that you're talking about. These principles, success principles are so transferable. So what you've done with weight, you can apply to any other area in your life that you want. Today, you know, you you talk about where you've come from. Today, you live on Amelia Island. You know, you this was back a couple of years ago. You know, you're still absolutely fit. You bike in the morning, get out with your wife, Angie, and run and and bike. I mean, this is a decision you made that wasn't just a one-time short-term thing. This transformed your life in so many ways, the things you've been able to accomplish since then. So we're going to be talking about that. If you go to transformmyfuture.com slash 48 days, you'll see a special landing page that Alan created. That's his site, transformmyfuture.com slash 48 days. So, Alan, thanks. Look forward to our extended conversation. I love how you continue to inspire people to live better and achieve the results they want. Thanks, my friend. Thank you, Dan. It's a blast. All right. Well, there you go. And obviously, if you are listening to this prior to February 7th, we invite you to join us there for that extended conversation. But the point being, as Alan described there so beautifully, decision is more important than the diet. And that's true in any area. What you do is is more important than the logistics, you know, than the specifics of what you choose. Just like when we chose to move to Kentucky from California. Now, there were other places we considered at that time, like Northern California, Colorado. 
I don't think that our life would have been a disaster if we had made that decision either. You know, we could have, uh, everywhere you go, there you are, kind of the old adage that we hear is certainly true. So I don't think it was just because we chose that one place that things developed so successfully. Now, there were a series of events that happened there in Kentucky and in Tennessee that I can't imagine duplicating anywhere else that have you know had very positive results for us. But again, we may have had the same positive results in other places, but the key is decide, decide and move forward. There's an old African proverb that says, pray, but when you pray, move your feet. Or the quotation from Frederick Douglass, who says, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. Well, yeah, I think that's really true. You know, sometimes we get caught up in wishing, hoping, dreaming, and praying, frankly, that things will get better. There's a, a scripture in Exodus 14, 15 that I reference often. Moses is dealing with those whining, complaining children of Israel who see the Egyptians coming after them in the desert. And, you know, they were on their knees, you know, praying and begging God to solve their problems. And then that verse, Exodus fourteen fifteen. now this is out of Living Bible Translation, says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Quit praying and get the people moving. Forward march. Wow, that's a twist in theology for a lot of you. All right, hey, I want to introduce a couple questions from listeners here, and we'll wrap things up. This comes from Dean, who says, Dan, um... I listened to last week's podcast, What If I'm Too Old to Be Successful, which hit home for me as I'm 54 and looking to land a job career that is fully me, taking full advantage of my passion and unique gifting. The content was helpful and inspiring until it got to the end when you unveiled the draft of your stages of life model. In that model, and I'll say overall, I agree with the model, In your 50s, you're reaping the rewards of decisions you've made previously and creating systems to reach your highest earning potential. To me, this brought an additional shame as I'm feeling like I spent too many years in a safe corporate job that wasn't living my career truth. So I feel like I should have made more, made prior decisions to jump to something more me. And now I'm behind. For me, that wasn't the best timing to roll out the model as it seemed to contradict the whole premise of it's never too late and all the prior examples you had given of folks who started doing what they loved later in life. I'd be interested in your take on how to rationalize those two ideas. Maybe part of it is how you talk about your calling and when you change your jobs or career, if you're mapping to your calling for me, I'm all about creating experiences that connect people and that can look like many different jobs, then it doesn't have to be starting over, just having a different application of that calling. I'm one of those that doesn't move to change unless it gets painful enough. Try Trying this time to have the courage to find a better career fit, even while I have a current job that pays well. Appreciate you and your message. Just wanted to relay my strong reaction to the podcast last week. Dean. Well, in that, I talked about these stages of life, and I like to frame things, so I have some kind of a framework. In that, I described learning as your 20s, the decade where you try lots of things to see which ones motivate you, boom, then the 30s are experimenting, the 40s are mastering, the 50s, which Dean is referring to here, the period where you reap the rewards of the decisions you've made in the previous decades, create systems to reach your highest earning potential, and then guiding in the 60s leaving a legacy 70s, maximizing your zone of genius in the 80s. So I went through those stages. But now, he, I also 
shared in that podcast episode a little kind of rhyme here, whatever it is. If you plant corn, it will mature in 180 days. If you plant bamboo, it will mature in five years. If you plant walnut trees, they will mature in 40 years. And I said, be doing all three at every stage of life. And that's really what I want to share with you, Dean, as well. I don't feel like you're off track behind or need to feel shame in any way. I think we all ought to be doing things that we were doing in the 20s when you're 50, 60, and 70. The 20s being that decade where you try lots of things to see which ones motivate you. We establish spending saving patterns, make relational educational decisions that will direct us for the rest of our lives. That's still true. I mean, that that can be true when you're in your 50s, that you're still doing that. The 30s experimenting, my goodness, don't stop doing that. So I think there can be an overarching kind of theme to a decade in our lives, but it doesn't mean that we then eliminate everything that we should have learned in those prior decades at all. Kelly, I love that you're exploring this new direction, that you've got a new plan, that you're moving into it. You know it's going to be moving into a more fulfilling stage of your life. Embrace the journey where you are and expect greatness in the next 20 years. Golly, thanks for, thanks for sharing that. That's, I love how you frame that. And I think it should give you comfort, not to not despair. Well, I got a couple more questions I want to share here before we wrap up, but just a reminder that these are real life questions. Got lots of them come in every week. I appreciate you sharing your successes, challenges, resources you want to share with others. If I use your suggestion, your question here, I'll be happy to send you again an autographed copy of the newest version of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Uh, Some people I recognize the same names coming up. I guess you'll get multiple copies, or if you request, I'll send you something different. But just go to 48days.com slash askdan to leave your question there. Ellen says, I'm 53. Uh, previous question here, Dean was 54. So Ellen, I'm 53. I've worked for a state government agency for 23 and a half years. I'm good at my job and the pay and benefits are good, but I don't feel fulfilled or appreciated in my job. I can retire with full benefits with 25 years of service. My monthly pension would increase significantly if I worked for 28 years. I'd like to explore, pursue more fulfilling career options. I don't want to throw a good retirement away now. How can I balance taking care of my future retirement and pursuing a fulfilling career. Wow. What a great position to be in that you are that far in and you know, you're looking at good retirement plans. If you just continue another one and a half years. Now this would be different if you said I only have, you know, 10 years to go, it'd be a lot different, but the fact that you're 53 and that you see, at your 23 and a half years, if you just make it to 25, it's going to really make a big difference in your uh, benefits. I would say stay there. Now, you know, I'm one for 48 days, you create a new plan and act on it. But I'm also one not burn the bridge. You know, don't 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 do that. And when you're this close, I would say, stay there for the next 18 months. But here's the but what a beautiful window of opportunity to be planning then what you're going to be doing after that. Now, you're 53 now, so that means you're going to be 55. So 55, what are you going to move into that's more fulfilling than what you're doing now? And then having the benefit of a good monthly pension that you have as a base for no matter what it is that you do. 
Wow, that's awesome. So use the next 18 months, not just sitting on your haunches, you know, just waiting for the time to pass, but as that wind of opportunity, that's a beautiful timeline to explore and experiment with ideas. You know, my model is if you do something on the side, you want to do something on your own. If you want to get another job, just prepare for that, you know, prepare in how you would capture your most marketable skills. How do you describe that to somebody so you can move into that next opportunity? If you want to do something on your own, you have a beautiful window of opportunity to experiment with that. 18 months, you can try an idea. If you can get that idea generating profitability to you so that it it duplicates 50% of your current income, that's where I always say, if you can do that with 15 hours a week, replicating 50% of your current income, then you are probably realistically on track to more than duplicate your full income if you switched your full time to that. So that's a model hundreds and hundreds of our listeners have used over the years. And you get the beauty of having this set up to make sure that that's going to happen. Hey, I commend you on taking the initiative at this stage to really look at it. And so you can really plan realistically. Let us know again in 18 months what you've decided where you are. And I want to end with this. Speaking of uh, somebody give us an update. This is this is really cool. I love this. This comes from Jeff, who sent me a note in December of 2015. So December of 2015, Got this note from Jeff. Dan, I have a situation that may be somewhat unique. Now, this is going to be followed up with one I just got right here in in, um, February of 2022. So we're talking about a little more than seven years. So seven, well, no, a little more than six years, a little more than six years. Dan, I have a situation that may be somewhat unique. I currently work full-time for a company that helps with tuition reimbursement. The unique part of this arrangement is that my boss's boss has said that the degree I'm working on that I'm being reimbursed for by my employer will not be recognized when I have finished it and I will not be hired as an engineer by them, but I still have to fulfill a three-year commitment to them upon graduation. I've decided to stay in school and see it to completion and cross that bridge when I get to it. The other aspect of this is that I've been listening to your podcast and reading your books, and I've realized that while I do want to finish the degree, every time I'm in a class, my creative juices are re-energized, and I get ideas to utilize my artistic talents. However, being in school and working full-time fills my time, and I have difficulty acting on those urges to create until after my current school term is complete. Then I do everything I can artistically until the next term begins. Needless to say, I don't get much traction before time is up. I love creating. It's what God designed me to do. I lose hours when I'm doing this. But if I stop going to school to fulfill this love, then I will be accountable for thousands of dollars unless I continue working where I am. But then my employer has already said I won't get a promotion, even with the degree that I foresee spending the next three years acquiring. The degree, which is mechanical engineering technology, does engage my creative side and I enjoy it. What advice can you afford to me? I'm 46 years old. I know I have several decades of earning potential remaining. I love working and don't even think about retirement yet. I just want to be on a positive path that continues providing me with growth and fulfillment as well as increased earnings. Thanks for your podcast and all the help and hope you've already given to me. Now, that was from Jeff in December 
of 2015. Kind of a tricky spot to be in an academic program that his employer was paying for as long as he continued, as long as he completed it. But if he completed it, then he was obligated to stay there three more years. If he quit the academic program, he'd be responsible to pay back the tuition that had already been incurred. And if he stayed and completed the degree, they had already told him they weren't going to promote him anyway, even though he was obligated to stay the three more years. So kind of a dicey situation. Here's his update. Dan, I wanted to update you on the wonderful things that have been happening to me since I last wrote you. I stuck it out with my education and graduated in 2019. I was fortunate enough to have my company see the value I provide and was offered an engineering position within three months of graduating. That, that's one thing right there. Even though it looks like the door is closed, now I'm just ad-libbing here to Jeff's response, but you know, a lot of you may think there's no way that's going to work. Well, if you keep walking, it's interesting how doors open up that you thought were previously closed. So any, anyway, again, Jeff says, I was fortunate enough to have my company see the value I provide, and I was offered an engineering position within three months of graduating. I continued to sacrifice going full-on artistic while trying to excel at my new position and moving to a new home much closer to work. But now I'm finally able to step into the creative side and do what I'm supposed to be doing while continuing to work my engineering job. My path is taking me to endeavors from doing wall murals to building rock walls and deck construction. Wood crafting and metal smithing are part of it as well. I now have to stay focused as I hone in on the business side of things and figure out how to find customers. I'm now 52 and still have many good working years in me. The idea of self-employment is somewhat intimidating, but I'm trying it out in smaller increments such as weekend projects or evenings. I'm also getting my CCB currently so that I'm fully legit. The outlook is positive. I'm very excited. Thanks for your encouragement and advice over the years. Regards, Jeff. Well, so many things in that. For one, I'm grateful for listeners who have been around a long time, like Jeff. As I was looking back to capture his original email and see the context in which I replied to that, I saw a whole lot of other names as well, where people I know are still very engaged in our 48 Days Eagles community or continue to send questions in here. And it's, it's always uh, honoring to know that there's been a long-term connection like that. But there's a lot of principles in here, what you're sharing, Jeff, that are really valid. That is... You know, once you committed, you did see it through. Even though the results at the end were questionable, there is value in just getting that completion, the reward, the satisfaction that comes from doing that. And also the fact then that you, instead of hanging your head and said, this company stinks, you know, they, they enticed me into getting this degree, but now they're going to tie my hands for three years, not give me promotion. No, obviously you held your head high. And we're seen as somebody of having increased added value. We're given that new opportunity as an engineer. Well, what a cool story. And then the fact that you are exploring your artistic things on the side, using that 15 hours a week model that we talk about a lot, but still have your current core career as a job. Boy, there's nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I love the fact that you're doing that. And what you're talking about, the creative things that you're doing, wall murals, building rock walls, deck construction, I mean, those may always remain side ventures for you. There's nobody saying you have to force those to be your only source of income. I mean, a lot of people destroy the enjoyment of things that should be hobbies by trying to make it their only source of income. 
So having both is really the kind of the best of both worlds, having a job that you like, that pays you well, that honors your value, and then doing these things on the side. Nothing wrong with that as a model at all. Great example. Thanks for sharing your update, for giving us an update after uh, six years of uh, continued plugging along in this thing we call life, Jeff. All right. Hey, let's just kind of move into wrapping it up here. I want to remind you again that our the event we've got coming up on on February 7th is if you go to transformmyfuture.com slash 48 days, you'll see it there where you can join us for the conversation we're going to have with Alan Jackson, or Alan Jackson, Alan Thomas about how to decide, decide and what that can open up in terms of new possibilities. So kind of a, just a summary. Let's just do kind of a summary of what we've covered here today. Number one, A dream is a wish your heart makes. A plan makes your feet move. Number two, I had no choice. Actually means I had only one path that was easy in the moment. Number three, I don't know what to do to make my life better. Number four, pray, but when you pray, move your feet. Number five, don't stop learning and growing, no matter what stage of life you're in. Hey, this is Dan Thanks for being part of this audience, for being responsive, for giving me opportunities to continue to grow, giving me opportunities to continue to do the things I was doing when I was in my 20s that excited me then, that still excite me today. This is not a one and done kind of linear process through life. We bounce around, do other things, but overall continue to grow, thrive and prosper. What an amazing opportunity we're given. Thanks for being a listener. Thanks for being part of this community where we know without a shadow of a doubt that we can find or create work and the life that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable.